0: Senator Lummis, how are you?
1: Hi, Peter. I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today. And I want to start by saying congratulations on a historic victory, uh, the first woman ever elected to represent Wyoming in the U.S. Senate, and definitely by far the, the most outspoken and proud big ever elected to the senate
1: well it's uh, such an honor to be the first woman elected from wyoming to serve in the senate wyoming uh was the first state to allow women's right to vote and it happened while wyoming was still a territory uh, 150 years ago so um, this is a great milestone to break this final barrier for wyoming we've had the first woman governor in the nation, and uh, finally uh, a woman senator. And interestingly, both of us, uh, the Democrat nominee and me, the Republican nominee, both women this year. So it's a very interesting year politically.
0: That's great. Uh, But I wanted to start by asking you kind of with this historic win, what is your outlook on the country right now, and what are some of your priorities for when you do take office?
1: Well, one of the reasons that I decided to run uh, after leaving the house four years ago uh, was because I'm worried about the debt and the deficit. Uh, And we've only seen it expand during this COVID crisis. Now, I support the CARES Act. I'm glad they passed it. It was necessary. But what we did wrong is overspend in the years leading up to the COVID crisis. So there really wasn't any runway left uh, to spend a bunch of money without printing more and more and making our currency worth less and less, uh, which is yet another reason why I'm attracted to Bitcoin. And uh, there are other issues that uh, I want to deal with, but uh, for purposes of today's conversation, um, I want to start helping uh, other members of the U.S. Senate understand Bitcoin. So my first couple years, probably, will just be talking to people about it, explaining what it is, how it works, what it does, what it can do, what it doesn't do, uh, and why I think it should be part of uh, the mix uh, of, of a diversified asset allocation. It's a store of value and our own currency is by design inflating uh, by roughly 2% per year, give or take. And uh, so it, it loses its buying power every year by design. And Bitcoin doesn't do that. So uh, for those of us who are looking for a whole variety of of ways to uh, protect ourselves financially, whether it's in the stock market through a robust growth strategy, uh, or through uh, something that uh, you know is going to store value, like something that is scarce, like Bitcoin. Um, you you want to have a diverse mix, and I firmly believe that Bitcoin belongs in that mix.
0: Uh, so creating stories in the Bitcoin space, you know, I've found that uh, some of the best Bitcoin advocates really draw from their own personal journey towards Bitcoin. I wanted to ask you, you know, how you discovered Bitcoin and uh, what that journey was like uh, for you personally.
1: I had been uh, Wyoming state treasurer and uh, Wyoming's uh, has permanent funds. So we take oil and gas and coal out of the ground. Um, it's, it's used for fuel, uh, and then uh, the state gets a tax on it, a royalty, and a tax. Uh, a portion of that tax is invested in what's called the Permanent Mineral Trust Fund. So it's taking uh, an asset from the ground and converting it to cash. So my goal as state treasurer uh, was to make sure that uh, that value was not only retained but would grow over time. Uh, So after the minerals are no longer uh, available, uh, that we'd still have a financial resource uh, that would continue to uh, spin off revenue. And the interest income dividends and realized capital gains off our permanent funds uh, are the second largest source of income for Wyoming's general fund. Um, So I was always trying to find ways when I was state treasurer to have some stable value uh, so we could preserve our corpus, but also have assets that would grow in value. So I was constantly looking for stores of value and sources of growth. Um, So fast forward uh, years later, um, my son-in-law introduced me to Bitcoin. Uh, because, uh, he had a familiarity with my investment goals and strategies. And, uh, that was when, uh, I bought my first Bitcoin. That would have been about 2013. Uh, and, uh, I have continued, uh, to get more knowledgeable and understanding. I wish I owned, uh, way more Bitcoin than I do. I wish I'd bought. Cause you know, when it, I bought, I think at about $300 for a Bitcoin, which, uh, Today, you know what a great investment. (laughs) But um, uh, I don't have very many. But that reminds. But I'm still an advocate.
0: Definitely. Um, So you mentioned that you want to advocate for you know Bitcoin and its use among your colleagues in uh, D.C. Do you have a sense of what the outlook on the technology will be like? If there's resistance, or um, kind of a, a gauge of how your fellow senators and colleagues see Bitcoin today.
1: Well, I think there's very little knowledge in the U.S. Senate about Bitcoin. I think uh, for some people it conjures up uh, murkiness, uh, opportunities for money laundering or fraud. Uh, so this, there's, a, there's, uh, I think, a real misunderstanding of what some of the merits are uh, of Bitcoin. So at the beginning, I'm just going to want to educate my colleagues about why this is a legitimate and important um, source of value and asset. Um, and so my first, probably two years or more are gonna be spent just uh, educating people. Then during that time, uh, I want Wyoming that is just the innovator in uh, a legal framework for Bitcoin to have a longer time to innovate and keep going and uh, charter more um, special purpose financial depository institutions. Uh, We have had, uh, I think, two uh, that have chartered so far, and we anticipate that there will be more. Um, These are uh, financial institutions that doesn't lend money, uh, but that can transact in both fiat currency and in Bitcoin uh, and uh, allow that innovation to continue. Now, um, in my life, uh, state government was always the more... um, innovative, nimble, uh, creative uh, policymaker uh, as opposed to the federal government. And so uh, I see that happening in my home state of Wyoming. I want them to be able to continue to innovate without federal interference. So the my first goal is keep the federal government at bay, let them know that this is not an area where they need to regulate, uh, and let the states be the incubators of innovation and allow that innovation to be incubated and nurtured here. Another thing that Wyoming did was pass these chancery courts and so um, a body of law case law can be built in Wyoming uh, that will help uh, interpret and implement uh, these new Wyoming laws and while Wyoming's innovating and other states follow us and begin to innovate as well we want the federal government just to kind of keep at bay. So that would be my, you know, first goal is to inform and educate and then um, keep the federal government at bay so states can innovate policy around Bitcoin.
0: So for, before kind of drilling into the positive incubation uh, kind of actions that the government can take, I think a lot of Bitcoiners are concerned about uh, federal regulation or government regulation that would try to limit their ability to use Bitcoin. Um, you mentioned you want to keep the government at bay. Have you given thought to kind of what specific action you would take if that type of regulation stems uh, from some sort of like misunderstandings that a lot of our, uh, you know, legislators have about Bitcoin?
1: Well, certainly uh, I think there are a lot of misunderstandings about Bitcoin, uh, but I think that our presence uh, in the U.S. Senate uh, can help keep things at bay legislatively. Uh, the challenge will be to keep regulation at bay over in the executive branch. Uh, and since we don't know what the executive branch is going to look like quite yet, uh, the uh, certainly the financial uh, structure, the, um, the ways in which... Uh, our financial laws are implemented through executive orders or through rulemaking, uh, those are going to be areas that we're going to have to watch and monitor. Uh, And so we'll also be playing that role, is trying to monitor uh, the executive branch uh, so they don't uh, preempt uh, innovation uh, in ways that allow uh, Bitcoin uh, to play out According to its philosophical roots, uh, as envisioned by Satoshi and others, you know it was so well thought out conceptually that if you if you preempt its ability to play out uh, through regulation, it can really thwart what could be uh, an important player in in global commerce, uh, in the ability of people to uh, grow wealth. Uh, and uh, to maintain that that source of stability uh, in something that uh, governments, you know, can't get their mitts on. So the the goal here is, you know, keep government mitts off of it and let it function the way it was designed.
0: Right. And so to to, uh, dive back into what the government can do to actually foster Bitcoin innovation, other than, you know, stay out of the way and avoid you know, heavy-handed regulation. As you mentioned, Wyoming's been a real model for, you know, incubating blockchain-based, Bitcoin-based businesses. Is that, you know, a model that you'd like to foster in other places around the country?
1: What's fun about states is when they see each other innovating, they tend to copycat. And then you'll see uh, the innovation maybe take off in a different direction in a different state. Uh, And so um, I'm a firm believer uh, that states are going to be the right level of government, the right venue uh, for innovation to uh, occur. Uh, And uh, so that's why I want to keep the federal government at bay and let the states run with their, um, you know, more entrepreneurial and nimble um
0: capabilities so one uh, federal action that I think bitcoiners sort of arrive at when they really think through the end game of this technology uh, would be a federal based government based bitcoin accumulation strategy. Uh, have you ever thought through that? Do you think that the federal government Uh, should be accumulating Bitcoin? And if so, you know, what what would a program like that look like in your mind?
1: You know, I tend to think of it more because, again, I think like a state-based person. um, uh, I I think it is important and and, uh, appropriate, prudent uh, for uh, states that have uh, either uh, funds that have are based on an endowment model or or, uh, retirement funds uh, to include Bitcoin in a fully diversified asset allocation. Now, in the case of federal funds, you know, the federal government doesn't have any savings that belongs to them because all we own is debt. There is no sovereign wealth (laughs) uh, at the federal level. Uh, But there are retirement funds. There are uh, thrift funds uh And uh, a perfect example here is is the post office. as I understand it, the federal postal employees' retirement funds uh, are not invested in a fully diversified asset allocation so we if if that's because of some legislative impediment, we have to withdraw that legislative impediment, and I would hope that they would be among the first. Uh, to invest in uh, in Bitcoin or have that as a sliver of its asset allocation. Nobody should have all Bitcoin. You shouldn't. I shouldn't. Uh, it's a hundred percent of our savings, uh, but um, it should be a component of it. You don't. Nobody wants all their eggs in one basket, and so it's important to have uh, slivers of all types of investments, you know, stocks, bonds, cash, maybe some gold or silver, some, in my case, cows, land. Uh, Some people have timber. Um, There there are a lot of ways to um, diversify assets. But the, the nice thing about Bitcoin is it's so easy. It's such a great and simple diversifier. Literally everyone can do it.
0: Uh, so you mentioned at the top of our interview that you really wanted to spend a uh, significant time uh, walking your colleagues through Bitcoin, introducing them to and educating them about this technology. Uh, as someone, you know, a, a media outlet in this space, I think about how we can educate more people all the time. Have you thought through sort of specifically what tactics you'd want to use to help your colleagues, help the government at large better understand this technology and ultimately Uh, regulate it a little bit better?
1: Well, I think through hearings, uh, through uh, private conversations like individual get-togethers with uh, senators or their staff, we want to make sure that our staff, uh, meaning the Senate office of Cynthia Lummis, has staff people that are extremely well versed in the subject so they can educate their counterparts um, so if their senator goes to their staffer and says, you know, I don't get this, um, help me understand this, that, that their staffer is in a position uh, to help them understand it. So uh, it, the Senate community uh, needs to be educated. And that's member to member, staffer to staffer. Uh, and a lot of those things even occur at policy lunches. I um, I, I know that I'm a Republican. My my party has uh, something called the steering committee. Uh, they have policy lunches every week. Uh, and every member of the Republican Senate uh, caucus is invited to be there. And so they can come in and you can present uh, uh, little uh, briefings uh, about topics of interest. This is a topic that I would want to choose. And then as those inquiries... Uh, come, then we want to be able to take a deeper dive with those people who are really interested. So it it takes time. The Senate is a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, And uh, we want to um, uh, take our time and make sure that as we're informing people and educating people, uh, that they pretty much understand the merits of allowing the states uh, to be the true innovators of policy. And then, then it can percolate uh, up to the Senate. And I would think with all the problems the United States Senate is facing, to know that there's something out there that wants to innovate outside of the federal sphere, that they don't have to mess with, in fact, that it's going to be better, healthier, stronger, more innovative if the federal government stays out of it, um, that that will make them very happy. <laughs> It's not that. So. it's not endless wars, it's not uh, uh, the national debt, you know, it's not these uh, intractable issues, the eventual uh, uh, insolvency of Social Security or Medicare. It's not one of those. This is something that is innovative, uh, that actually can be helpful in addressing some of those fiscal problems, uh, that can eventually be used uh, to diversify uh, retirement funds, endowments, and so forth, uh, but that it can, the lawmakers can just let it happen for a while.
0: Great. So, uh, Senator-elect Lummis, thank you so much for joining me again. Those are all the questions I had, but is there anything else that you'd want uh, our Bitcoin audience to, uh, to know, to expect from your upcoming tenure? Uh,
1: well, you know, I'm, I, I don't know what committees I'll be on, Uh, We uh, may include among our committee requests uh, committees like finance and banking. uh, So we have uh, other venues to address this besides the steering committee. Uh, But we'll also want to find counterparts in, in the Democrats conference uh, who have this same interest. uh, And so I'll be working with them to explore that as well. And to the extent that your audience knows senators in both parties that might find this intriguing. Uh, by all means, uh, get a hold of me through my website, and we'll be sure to approach them.
0: Great. Well, I know you have a ton of uh, big coiners rooting for you. I expect great things to come. And thanks again for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Peter. Have it was a one. Bye-bye.
2: Bye. I want to tell you about BitcoinBlackFriday.com. Bitcoin Black Friday is a project from the team that brought you Bitcoin Magazine and the Bitcoin 2021 Conference this coming April and May in Los Angeles. Bitcoin Black Friday is a celebration of the growing Bitcoin ecosystem and economy. On the BitcoinBlackFriday.com site, you're going to find deals for up to 50% off on your favorite Bitcoin gear and other merchants that are part of the Bitcoin ecosystem. That's right. They accept Bitcoin. If those deals are not enough, it doesn't stop at spending Bitcoin. This is about the entire Bitcoin circular economy. We have over 65 charities that you can support with Bitcoin on the site, as well as ways that you can stack sats and earn those precious Satoshis. So again, BitcoinBlackFriday.com, great place for deals and to earn and support with Bitcoin. And if that is not enough, we have teamed up with the Fold card. I'm sure many of you guys know that the Fold Bitcoin Back Rewards card is almost here. They have a wait list and if you sign up for their waitlist exclusively through bitcoinblackfriday.com in the fold placement and on the banners on the site. If you sign up through that, you will be entered to win a raffle for one entire Bitcoin. That's right. That is one whole BTC. If you're a Bitcoiner, you know that is life-changing amounts of BTC. Or in fiat, that is 13000 200 dollars at today's price and with all the volatility that could be a lot higher by the time you hear this ad so don't wait one second go to bitcoinblackfriday.com check out the deals sign up for the fold card enter your chance to win an entire bitcoin